We're the Pragmatic Doulas. This is a podcast where we talk all about birth and other interesting things. Birth may be a goddess, but she doesn't want to be worshipped. She wants to be respected. She doesn't want incense. She wants common sense. All right, we're recording. Welcome. Hello. My name is Kim. I'm Steph. And I'm Suzanne. My claim to fame today is I got dressed. And you guys all came to me. Yes, and you did. So we should say that we are recording this just a couple of days after Christmas. Is yeah, it two, after Christmas. Two days after Christmas. Yep. So I still feel a little hungover. Despite uh-huh. not having had any alcohol, I just feel a little... I Yesterday I was straight up busted. I never want to eat again. <laughs> I literally... There's food in front of us and I literally do not want to put any more food in my mouth. I want to eat again. <laughs> I'm eating this rum cake now, too. It's first thing in the morning. <laughs> Bottomless pit. But Kim brought us these really lovely um, mugs that say, stay sexy and don't get murdered, which is like my life. Yeah. It was like, yep. this, is, this is what I plan to do for the rest of my life. Yeah. Um, so now we're... From our favorite tea. podcast, My Favorite Murder. Yeah. They are the we ones... plugging them. They yeah, need they, they need some money. <laughs> um, yeah, so... We're here. Did you guys have a good Christmas? Was it good? Family? We always have a good Christmas because I don't, I refuse to have anything in it that makes it stressful. So we do very little present buying. So there's not a lot of shopping. And it's really just about getting together with people and eating and enjoying each other. And that's it. That's what Christmas is for me. And so, yeah, it was great. You have a lot of family, right, Steph? Yeah, we had about twenty people over at the house, but you had a lot. You had a big gathering about too. About fifty-five. Yeah, 50. I have twenty oh my at my house. I had f- and that was five, <laughs> and I was one of the five. <laughs> well, there's all different ways to do it. So, but I'm glad it's over. I really am. It does. Even though I say there's no pressure, it, it does. December comes, and it does feel a little pressurey. We also have a bunch of birthdays in December. Oh, true. Yeah, your own. Mine. Two of my sons, my sister, my dad, and my brother. Like that's madness. Right. So I'm I'm kind of glad my sister's birthday is tomorrow. So I'm kind of glad that it's going to be done soon. That's and good. We can do like fresh New Year kind of things. Does your whole family do that minimal gift idea or Kris Kringle or is it no. just the immediate family? It's just me and family. my kids. Yeah. Okay. Just me and my kids. There's too many of us for us to coordinate that. Oh, no. oh my God, we'd have to hire a professional. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> so no. we're trying to move in that direction. We yeah. had, Roger and I had that discussion and this year he's on board with moving in that direction so yeah. that we can really just focus on enjoying the hump company yes. and less on focusing on making sure you have enough shopping days to get certain things yeah. done. No, I right. just, I can't do it. I hate shopping with a passion. As soon as I step into the mall, <laughs> five minutes after stepping into the mall, my back starts hurting. Yeah. <laughs> That's and why the, I did everything online. I literally sat up in my bed. Me. And I just get so annoyed and irritated and hot and prickly and I can't I can't do it. So tiny amount of shopping just for a few people. My sister and I years ago stopped buying gifts for all of our children because we just have too many. Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. And we, so she buys for her kids, I buy for mine. We might buy gifts for each other, mm-hmm. her and I, for our birthdays. Um, I'm sorry, but my that's dog it. is wandering Yeah, around. if you hear those Making little pitter-patter. so much noise. That's Jack. I'm so embarrassed. The awesome Jack. Yes. 
He's like, I'm not going anywhere. This is my house. Yeah, that's yeah. basically it. And mm -hmm. he doesn't get out much, so. I can appreciate that. My sister and I only, well, we fill each other's stockings. That's, we both love stockings. Yeah, it's, that's cute. Growing yeah, up. yeah, I like, I like stockings. the stockings yeah. too. And it's basic stuff. Like it's stuff, technically speaking, I can go out and buy for myself, but it's so nice to open a stocking with some underwear and new socks yeah. and just like a little, little bit of chocolate. Things. And yes, little things that you use every day. And mm -hmm. it's like, oh. It's like having someone who cares enough about you to pick up the things that make your life easy. Yes, yeah, good. You know? Yeah, that's that's what the stocking is. Yeah, I love that. But Thanks. we're old enough as adults to go out and buy something that we actually need. Mm -hmm. I'm so embarrassed by this dog. I want to shoot myself. He's awesome. We he's love annoying Jack. as fuck. He's, he's, he's gigantic. And this is a <laughs> small space. And it's his space. So we it have is no his space. Okay, so that'll be just like our background music. Okay. Jack's just feet on the hardwood stay, floor. Stay, yes, jump up on the couch. There you go. That's a good boy. Have a nap, Jackie. Have a nap. All right. Um, so, couple couple things to go through. Uh, we swear. this. We do curse in this podcast. So, be language. warned. Send mm -hmm. the children away. This is not something to listen to in the car with your kids once they can start recognizing words get headphones and yeah. listen while you're making dinner yeah there you go <laughs> sexual innuendo oh. because i'm on the podcast yeah exactly <laughs> um <laughs> and we love you and she even for it. she even brought the inappropriate cookies what are they called cack cack which stephanie calls <laughs> where are the cocky cookies <laughs> pass one of the cocky cookies um so yeah so i'm sure we'll have oh and I, I told you guys that we got we got our first email, right? Mm -hmm. So it was kind of a troll. Okay, so that no, was fun. No, no, no. I have insight into that. Okay. If I had opened the email myself, I would have immediately known who it was. It's it was my niece. Seriously? <laughs> yes. It was my niece. And the reason because she's Why didn't you tell me? She, well, I, I was so disappointed. She was so she's so disappointed that we didn't respond. Oh she but I thought to, she was a troll. She said to her mom, um, can you ask Tia if she got that email on her podcast email? Because I haven't heard anything back. Oh, I I because so you had bad. just copied and pasted the message to me. Yeah. I didn't I thought you I, were gonna look at the, the No, email. I didn't bother because you just pop copied right. and pasted to me, so I saw the 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 message and then my sister's like did you guys get any email from your podcast and i was like I what i was literally so excited i was sitting here my mother-in-law was here my ex-mother-in-law was here with my ex-sister-in-law and it came through and i was like practically <laughs> shitting a brick and then we started talking i was so i think i don't know if i told you guys this i thought it felt better if i told you in person um while we were sitting here, um, Will was with us, my oldest, and he started going on about, you know, that we were going to do this podcast and he was really super proud of me mm -hmm. and how great it will be. Yeah. And it was like oh, my, nice. my kid, like unbidden was, praising you know, praising you me to cheerleading you. Yeah. To a woman who, you know, I spent 20 years trying to show that, you, you know, were show that I was worthy. Good, yeah. Right. Um, so it was like so cool to mm -hmm. see, to, to do that. So I was really I was a little bit clumped by the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but, uh, but yeah. And you opened it up and saw. And then saw that it was a troll say. and I was so disappointed, but it wasn't a troll and I it feel bad. I'm sorry. It was my amazing niece, Adriana, who was very supportive, oh. but also will, you know, tease. And so don't, right. don't take it seriously. She totally is on our side. All right. So. <laughs> 
Anyways, if anybody else wants to, non-trolls, want to send us emails about uh, the podcast or send us your birth stories to read online or even tell us, you know, topics maybe that you want to for us to cover, the email address is thepragmaticdoulas at gmail.com. All right. So, yeah, today we're going to talk about epidurals. Now, when we started this podcast, we were going to, you know, <laughs> you were... Suzanne was great because she's like, yeah, we can research and blah, blah, blah. And I woke up this morning going, I didn't do any fucking research. Did anybody else? And Steph walked in the door and I'm like, Steph, did you do the research about epidurals? (laughs) She looked at us like, no. What research? Um, So we have no science to offer you. Well, we have what's in our head. No, in our heads to be true. But and you're prenatal educators. We we well, are yeah, prenatal I mean, educators, so we do know a thing or two about epidurals. Look, epidurals are my jam. Okay, I am I am the doula that specializes in people having epidurals. I am not anti-epidural whatsoever. As I said earlier, my, the doula community is going to revoke my card because I don't think all natural birth is the be all and end all. Sorry, I don't. I've done it, and I've done it the other way. Yeah. I really enjoy epidurals. I think they're lovely things. <laughs> so at this point, we probably have lost, you know, all yeah. the granola doulas that have oh, gone off going. Nah, nah, nah. What? Well, we there was a there was podcast. a Instagram post posted by somebody mm. this week or was it last week? It was, whatever. It was the end of last week. The person was giving information. None of the information was incorrect. I want to say that right off the bat. Exactly. The information that this person presented was good information it was correct i should say uh however our take has always been that doulas our our number one role is support and the post didn't feel supportive of women who would choose to have pain medication Mm -hmm. which in my experience in my practice is a lot Mm -hmm. So if I presented that information to my clients in that way, yes, I feel like my client would feel pressured mm-hmm. to not choose pain medication because, well, I know that, you know, the doula would say, I know that you're thinking about having pain medication, but here's the horrible facts about yes. pain medications and all of the side effects and bad things that could happen to you. But I support your choices if you choose otherwise. Yeah, that and that in itself does not. So I think it's it's kind of hard. Some it's hard to find that walk that line where you are being supportive of all choices and presenting real, honest information. Right. I think what it is, is is presenting the information about how what percentage of babies are affected by particular medications used during labor. Yeah, while also acknowledging that you're in a Fuck ton of shame. Uh, pain. 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 Not shame. Not shame. Absolutely not no shame. shame. You're in a, 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 a world of pain, and not everybody is willing to go through that pain to bring their babies here. I think that's what it is. We all have different ideas about pain as it relates to birth, and I don't think that's acknowledged enough. No. I mean, I think I always say that, like, when we teach, when I teach epidurals, um, you know, I I mean, I think I do it in such a way that people will maybe try to have, do it without, but recognize that it is a tool that's there. Mm -hmm. So 
I say, do I think every woman can do it without an epidural? No, I absolutely don't think every woman can do it without an epidural, especially when you start throwing in inductions and Pitocin. I mean, that shit's hard. And, but I also say, do I think you should try? Yes, try it. See how far you can go. And if that's the end, that's the end. Yay. If it's halfway through, then it's halfway through. Yay. It's a tool. It's an option. It's a medical thing that is available for use. Mm -hmm. And I think denying somebody it or shaming them because they couldn't go the distance, especially when we're talking about inductions and Pitocin, mm -hmm. that's wrong. That is wrong. And it's really kind of ridiculous. When we take any medication anywhere in our life, there's side effects. There's yes. The motherfucking side effects. Mm -hmm. And as we look at side effects, we almost always offer someone another medication to counter the, the side, side effects. effects. Right. You know, when we have a spontaneous labor, we generally have a concoction of a variety of hormones that help us to move through it. Not all, and not everyone, again, we have a wide range of women who cope with things in different ways and perceive mm -hmm. pain in a different way. Right. But when we give someone a medication to cause an intense contraction that is required to open a body to release an entire baby into this world. Yes. With one medication, we have to expect that we should be offering something as an alternative to help deal with the side effect mm -hmm. of that medication. So Again, when we go back to inductions and everything, it's a completely different realm oh, yeah. than someone who's having a spontaneous labor. But that being said, we have to look at our culture. You know, when we live in a culture where medications are not used, there's a certain level of normalcy and lack of fear mm -hmm. around the what labor looks like and the intensity yes. of labor. Yes. So a lot of epidural comes in because we have fear not of even what we're experiencing but this that this is going to get worse that i feel alone that this isn't normal to me this level of pain anywhere else right. in my life tells me i gotta go to the doctor and get it fixed yeah um so the lack of normalcy really i think is what drives it and that's why it's needed because we do not birth in front of one another so no. the normal this is not normal this is fear inducing for many women and for us to to not acknowledge that fear reaction and that we're going, we would even consider denying or judging someone for ignoring their fear when there's something available to them is, is ridiculous. It's, right. tan it's tantamount to shaming. Yeah. Yes. It is tantamount to shaming. And if we have a child being born, we want that woman to come through having that baby and feel really confident about the decisions she's making. Yeah. Not feel judged, not feel that she's let her doula down who feels very particularly about oh, one type God, of, yeah. of Because birth. the thing is, when we talk about clients and, and doulas, when you're, you're cl a client is choosing a doula, and we talk about that click or that fit or that yes. connection, that's a part of it. Mm -hmm. I always ask clients or potential clients what their experience is with pain, what their experiences are around birth. Did your mother and your aunties and people in your family, your female relative, speak about birth in a fearful way? Or a positive. In, or in a positive way. So what are your your approaches to birth like right now? And what have you read? What have you seen? What is What are your feelings about pain? And it really is about your own personal philosophy about how far you're going to go to bring this baby into the world on your own or with help or with assistance. 
I can't dictate that to any woman. Oh, God, no. Because who knows what she's been through. Yes. Since from birth until now. There are women who have a history of trauma and labor brings all that up. Brings the memories back and the feelings back. Mm-hmm. It's a huge trigger for a lot of people. Yeah. And so as a doula, I'm going to say to her, well, you know, the side effects of having that morphine is blah, 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 blah. And end there without acknowledging that well, someone was sexually abused between the ages of 8 and 15. <clears throat> yeah. And she's feeling all those things again. That is what is mm-hmm. overwhelming the whole birth experience and is going to make it horrible for her. An epidural can actually save that. An epidural, <laughs> sorry, phone's off, please. <laughs> and an epidural can bring the birth experience right around. Yes. If that's, if that's the experience that that woman has had. So your job as a doula is not to only provide all of the information, but provide it in such a way so that this, this particular woman yep. can look at it and say, hmm, I have all that information. Thank you for giving that to me. I'm going to choose to use pain medication anyway with my eyes wide open. Yes. That's informed consent. Using there your you brain. Go. And so you're behind her and saying, excellent, let's go. Let's yep. move forward through that. Yep. That's what the That's role of the doula support. is. That's good Don't just prevent, present the information, all the scary parts of the information. Because how about, oh, yes, 3% of babies experience this. Well, does that mean then that 97% of babies don't? Yeah, exactly. That's a part of the information, too. That's but... a great conversation right there, saying, so if you choose to go down this path, here's what we might expect on the other side. And here's how we can help with that if that if that happens. I just don't want it to blindside you. So, no. You know? Yeah. Even supporting the next steps, not judging you for what the no, outcome no. might be. It's saying, so if that happens, because I understand you need this right now, don't you worry. We're going to make sure you feel supported through that, too. And giving yes. them the, the background as to, as you say, what to expect. Because I've, I had one client that we, she was getting an epidural going into this. Like, we already knew this. This was the way it was going to be. And mm-hmm. she, but when she got the epidural, and I'll, and I'll admit, when this happened, after this happened, I did change my class slightly differently. She was aware of the things that was going, that were going to happen with an epidural, like an IV and, you know, not constant being able to get it out of bed and, and mm-hmm, constant mm-hmm. monitoring and blood mm-hmm. pressure cuff and the catheter and all of that stuff. Yep. But she wasn't aware of what she would feel. Mm-hmm. She felt like she would feel nothing mm-hmm. but you don't feel nothing. nothing you actually feel pressure you feel tingling mm-hmm. you feel pins and needles your legs feel Heaviness, heavy and, whatever yeah and that terrified her mm-hmm. and that's and I realize now that I was talking about all the actual visual physical things that they would experience but I never talked about the feelings so I've since changed the way I talk about epidurals now mm-hmm. um, in class adding that in but it's important for if they do choose to get an epidural to understand, as you say, the whole scope of what's going to happen. Yes. So they making that informed choice, informed consent, mm-hmm. then we're good. But when you get someone like this other doula that was just giving all the negative aspects, not yes. using her brain <laughs> um, with benefits, risks, alternatives, then... That's doing a disservice. That's not, and when that yeah. client makes that decision, they're not making informed consent. Yes. 
And that's that's what no, our job not. is. They're not. Because you know what? Doulas usually talk about informed consent in terms of the other way around. We say, we accuse doctors of not truly giving the information to make informed consent because they will give the other part of it. Oh, yes, it's totally going to fix this, clear up that, prevent this. And they don't talk about the risks mm-hmm. associated with the procedure, the medication or whatever. And then we shake our fingers at them and say, well, you're not giving the whole story. So this is not actually informed consent. Well, we're as doulas are guilty doing that doing the same thing just flipped over on the other side yeah. giving all the bad um possibilities of a particular procedure medication tech technology yeah. or whatever and not saying but at the same time i say this to my class these are all the risks associated with epidural but you very possibly can have total pain relief yep that and it can total it can turn your labor around and make it from one that's scary and frightening to one that's relaxing and positive. Yeah. That here's the whole story. Yeah. You decide. Yep. What you want to do with it. And and I've been in both situations where I've cheered and danced a jig because my client wanted an unmedicated birth and that's exactly what she got. Yeah. And I've cheered and danced a jig when my client had an epidural and our the birth experience was wonderful and positive. Yeah. And or maybe things didn't turn out wonderfully and positively, but she was in charge every yes. step of the way. That's worth cheering to. It almost, I mean, it almost breaks my heart when I've had a couple of clients, you know, who really wanted to do it unmedicated um, and have had to resort to getting an epidural and they feel disappointed and yeah. they feel like they've let, let, let other people down, down mm-hmm. um, let their partner down, mm-hmm. all of this stuff. And it's like, no, you know what? You you did that. You made that decision. I'm proud of you for looking at everything. I'm proud of you for doing what you needed to do that suited you best. And that is a good birth. That when the birthing parent is involved in every decision-making aspect that's a great birth when they feel like you know birth has run them over like a mac truck and even if it's you know unmedicated yay if they feel horrible about Mm -hmm. it i mean i think i gave you a client one time she had had a a precipitous birth and it was it was really fast and she couldn't get an epidural Mm -hmm. um, because things were just moving so fast when she was having her second baby I came and I think I had to go away or something. I think I was away at the time. Um, The one thing she said is, no, like not getting the epidural was horrible for me. Mm -hmm. That was, this birth was horrible. Yeah. And that's not right. Nope. She felt totally out of control probably. exactly. I'm so happy she felt comfortable saying that out loud though. So many women don't feel that they can say that out loud. Yeah. And helping them unpack that too. Like when the first thing you hear from a new client is, my last birth was fucking horrid. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they relate it to getting an epidural. So helping them unpack mm-hmm. that. And you don't want to change that story either. But I've had a couple of those clients who have heard, either had that experience themselves or heard that horror story. And it's presented as a horror story. And I yeah. actually had one client who had a precipitous labor. It was going very hard and fast. We arrived at the hospital. And afterwards, when we talked about it, she thought that getting not getting the epidural was the horrid part. Afterwards, she went through some therapy and came back and spoke with me. And she said, I was okay until I had to 
lay on my back. I was okay until I had hands inside of me. Yep. It was when I needed to get up and I was told I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and she said, I, cause she ran to the bathroom. Like when there was all of a sudden everyone was up and I went to just help her under her hands and knees. She actually slid right off the bed and into the bathroom oh, and closed the door. Oh geez. And of course in the hospital, you can't lock that shit. No, but, uh, <laughs> there's mechanisms for that. That's right. But, and afterwards, she, initially she did believe it was because she didn't have enough epidural, but it was actually because she felt overwhelmed by the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So we talked again for her next birth, which strangely, well, not strangely, I guess was not precipitous because her baby was not in that, in that thing. position. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So right. it, that was a whole other kettle of fish for us to unpack afterwards. Mm-hmm. Um, her expectations were not met again. Um, and she actually didn't have an epidural the second time, but she was really thrown off by the fact that this one took about seven hours, mm-hmm. which is fast for most of us, but for yeah. her it was very long because her first Compared was the first. an hour and a half. Oh, right. Oh, jeez. Yeah. So um, can you imagine a whole person coming out of your body in an hour and a half? Oh, yes, I can. Yes, I actually, really. you yes, can. Yes, you can. <laughs> but her first. That was her first. I can yes, not. No, not the first. Yeah. I would have appreciated it, but... <laughs> God. Oh, my like God. The, the trauma didn't come from the epidural or not the epidural. It came from being overwhelmed and feeling trapped. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, it really, really did. And so sometimes, there's... really, that's the role of the of the doula, isn't it? It's not to prevent something or cause something or make sure something happens that we can't. No, there's shit we it's just can't deal the with. Role like of the doula at all. It's not no, ours no. to do. It's it's to make sure that you know that they're as prepared as they can be yeah. within our powers. Because that was that's what I was going to say. That I now, anyways, now that I'm old. <laughs> I hardly Spit ever take. <laughs> hardly ever have that situation where a client of mine in the middle of labor decides after having decided not to have an epidural she changes her mind to go ahead and have it I've hardly had anybody feel let down or like a failure because I focus on that so much prenatally yes. there's so much of that I want to know what you feel about birth. I want to know what your thoughts are about birth from your history. I want to know what your plans are, what your hopes and dreams are for this birth. And then we talk about reality. Yeah. Reality. You've never had a baby before. You have no idea what's going to happen, how it's going to feel. So let's just leave all the doors open, okay? And I find that most of the time people are like, yes, yes, let's leave all the doors open. And if if, if that's where you're headed and that road looks smooth and clear, then that's the road we go down. If we see a detour there, then we're going to have to figure out, are we going to go over it, under it, around it, through it? Yeah. If not, we got to choose another road. Yeah. Because sometimes things happen and you need to have a C-section, for instance. Yeah. Are, you know, so we talk about all the possibilities and that birth, again, like we say at the beginning, birth doesn't want to be worshipped. No. It's about common sense. Yeah. What is the wisest course of action right now for you? Let's do that thing. My sometimes it means epidural, sometimes, sometimes it not. means no, not no epidural. It just depends. So we gotta leave all the laneways open, and so there's no guilt, there's no shame about no. anything. Exactly. These options are here, and you can say right now I don't want that thing. Three hours from now that thing looks really attractive, so I'm gonna do that thing. That's all fine. Yep. And that that's just it. It's all fine. It's all fine. I say, you know, one of the things, one of my taglines, one of the things that I do is 
or say is, you know, the only thing predictable about birth is that it is completely unpredictable. And all we can do is have our GPS going and every now and then the Waze app is going to say, there's a detour. Yes. And we got to decide, as you say, how are we going to manage this detour? We're going to take this route, that route, this route, that route. You know, always... Sometimes that detour is inside the woman, she says, or the birthing person, sorry. Sometimes (laughs) inside the birthing person, things change. 12 hours into this process, things change for that person. And they decide, "Mm mm-mm. Nope. Can we can we reevaluate our original plan? We and that's okay. Can. It's okay in all other areas of life. It's okay now too. Yeah. And my job isn't to say, no, no, no. Remember I told you that epidural increases your risk of blah, blah, blah. That's not the time to do that. No. Well, it's as you say. At any other point in our life, we it's can okay stop and say, yeah, you know what? This is not working it's for not me. Working. I got to do this. Yeah. You know. That's marriage. Marriage. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Not talking about you, baby. Yeah. Um, we love you, Roger. <laughs> yeah, it's not. She's definitely it's not, not talking you. about you. Um, but that's just it. Why? Why in birth do you have to decide ahead of time? Yeah. What you're supposed to do? Yes. Like why? Why is that a non-negotiated, and, and you, and a non-negotiable? It's written in stone, and you can't. Yeah. Nope. Fuck Every policy that. is as good as the paper it's written on. Yeah. And it's up to people to implement the policies, reevaluate the policies, and change the policies if need be. And this birthing person needs to know that they're in charge. And if they want to change course at any time of and the game, they can. Isn't that what makes it sacred? That, you know, we talk about this sacred thing and, you know, the goddess and all that. Oh, fuck, Shit. I hate that bullshit. Um... <laughs> The sacred, the goddess, is that birthing person, that birthing parent's decision making. Mm -hmm. Their choices that they make for themselves. And whatever they do, as long as they have all the information and they're making the best decision for themselves at that moment in time, that's the sacred. That they're standing up for themselves and standing up for their baby that yep. this is what we need to do in order to move forward. That's the sacred. So it's me- not, you know, squatting in a fucking field, you know, going, oh, lovely. It can be. It totally can be if that's what you're into. <laughs> we support those births too. We support those births too. Well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I do. You do. I'm, I'll take the hospital births. <laughs> so call me what, if you're in a field. What's your, what's your or me too, I'll be your backup. Yeah. I want a field birth. Who's who's having? Nobody's having a field birth these days. Nobody's having them. They're not allowed. So, RV, what are your epidural histories? And we've got twelve babies between the three of us. I've had three babies and two epidurals. All right. I've had four babies and two epidurals. Okay. And you've had five with no epidurals. (laughs) (laughs) And I still say that I'm one hundred percent neutral on epidurals. I will support you because you felt supported. You did what you needed to do in the yeah. space you knew you needed to do it. No, the, one of the main reasons why I am supportive of people choosing to have an epidural is because I know what that fucking shit feels like. Exactly. I know what that feels like. And regardless of the choice that I made to go through it and feel it, I could never look a woman in the face and say to her, you, you go ahead and do this for another eight hours. Yeah. I know what, what I was feeling like and my last three births were very, very fast. And I can't imagine going through, not only going through that for an undetermined amount of hours. That's it. Yeah. But also knowing that you're in the hospital and all you got to do is press a button 
And there it is. And they'll bring pain relief to you? Yep. God, I, honest to God, I wouldn't be able to do that. I was at home, very, very fast labors. So I'm, I'm, I don't want to use the word easy because it wasn't easy at no. all. But it was fast. But there I also wasn't the it. option there. Like there I have no option. I have some people say, you know, oh my God, how do people do this at home, you know, without pain That's medication? And it's no like, because it's not no there. Yeah. It's not there. And you, you just figure other shit out. Like you yeah. just got to do this. But in a hospital... It's one of the options. Mm-hmm. So if that's an option that you choose, and you know that's the all good. Is there and it is so hard in your head, yeah, to say I'm not going to do this, even though you're maybe in the most pain you've ever felt in your life, and nobody can tell you it's going to be three hours or ten hours before yeah. you have your baby, and you and you and you're supposed to resist not pressing that button. Yeah, I mean, of course, of, there are many women who do do that. What I'm saying, it's really hard. It is hard. And I could never say to any woman, no, 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 don't do it. Yeah. Don't do it. I always ask, you know, like, look, when, what is your commitment level to a a medication-free birth? Like, what is your commitment level? If I get someone that's like, nope, come hell or high water, I do not want it. I had one woman say to me, you know, look, even if I beg for it, I don't want it. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, nope. Okay, you I don't can't ask know. Me to do that. I don't I know. I, yeah. Can we have like a code word or mm-hmm. something? Because I don't now. Funnily enough, this was her like third baby or something. That that baby flew out of her. I didn't even make the birth. That's so there was. I didn't have to do anything. Um, but I had one where you know we had a we had a code word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> she she kept saying, "I want sunshine. I want sunshine." And I go, "Well, we can't go outside. Like we're in labor well, right now. Like what word? Totally forgot the code <laughs> word." And then she looked at me and she literally grabbed my arm and looked me dead in the eye and goes, "I want sunshine." And I go, oh, "Fuck oh, yeah. yeah! Okay, <laughs> let me go. I'll go get the nurse. Hold on." Um, I think I'd been a dual all of like ten minutes at that point, but um, yeah, totally forgot that. But oh, I forgot my train of thought. But anyways. Um, <laughs> You know, I want to know, like, what's your commitment level? Like, where where do you stand? Are you like, yeah, let me try it and I'll see how it goes? Great, no problem. Are you yeah. like, come hell or high water, I do not want it. Mm-hmm. Come hell or high water, I fucking want that shit. Mm-hmm. No problem. Whatever your level is, but no, we can always adjust. Yeah. We can always adjust. Yeah. Because you've never done this before. And I think our clients need to know that we're flexible that way too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you're, it's important for them to know that. Oh, you said you didn't want an epidural. Therefore, as your no, doula, I am going to make you stick to that promise. Yeah. No. That we are flex, flexible support like a backbone, not a brick wall. We there. Do you remember? She, she, I haven't, I can't even remember her name. There was a doula, and this was back when we had like Yahoo message boards. Oh, remember yeah, those? Yes. trash other doulas um, right now. This is, the, this is the part of the podcast. <laughs> we're not going to say any names, mostly because I can't fucking remember it. But she was a doula, and she said on these message boards that if her clients got an epidural, she left. Yes. What? Yeah. And not left to like go rest while her client no, no. rested. She was like, you she left on, the birth. Yeah, like, you were on, on your, your own, own at that point because she felt that the the only way to do birth was without medication and that was it. And if that's what you chose to do, she was gone. Her job was over at that point. Okay, you know what? But, Fair enough. But did she, clients were aware of this? I think so, but. I don't know if she presented it to her clients that way or if she just said, yeah. at the, when you get to that point where you choose your epidural and my job is over. 
I don't know if she said it like in a kind kind mm-hmm. of way, but the way she did it on the doula boards was very much like, oh, nope. she got I'm lamb. out of there. I'm she got lamb basted. I don't yeah. even know if she even practices anymore. Like I haven't heard her name in probably ten years, mm-hmm. but that was the end of that. So old doulas, cast your mind back. <laughs> and let's try to figure who this woman. No, no, no. We're not gonna. We're not gonna. I don't. I don't want to get sued. Person. She was older than me. Yeah, she was probably been a doula a long time. Now, I also, around the same time, back in the Yahoo message board days, um, like the very first message board, nothing secure or anything, I do remember there was someone, and I thought it created a great conversation at least. For as much as she opened the door with a sense of judgment, it opened a great conversation for other doulas. Mm -hmm. Um, God knows we can be judgy. There's some judgy bitches out there, some sketchy, judgy doula bitches. Um, But anyhow, she began with judging not epidurals, but induction. So it was was a a different one. She said, someone who chooses induction without medical indication, I will not attend. I let my clients know this at the beginning, that if they are making decisions based on fears and not on facts, then I'm not their doula. and again, presenting to the client, she did present to her clients very clearly that this is where she stood on these things. She's not even, it's that's not even true, first of all, mm-hmm. that sometimes people choose epidur- induction for other reasons, and it's not always fear, so she's starting off immediately incorrect. Yes, yep. absolutely. But it, it did, for as much as it started off as this big judgy thing, what it ended up with was doulas, there was a great conversation about doulas acknowledging bias. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I really loved how the epidural conversations and you know, interventions in general can start off with a lot of hot-headed doulas coming out of it. But you almost always see a little trail afterwards of discussion mm-hmm. around mm-hmm. acknowledging your own bias. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I love those conversations. Someone saying, I need to only do home births for a little bit because I'm feeling really overwhelmed by what's happening in the yes. hospital. Yes. So that's not yeah. judging it. Mm-mm. But you always see these the- great conversations, which I think then allow newer doulas to acknowledge their bias at the beginning or acknowledge their own personal needs at the beginning. You are not the doula for every woman. That's if you right. try to be, you will burn out. You will be yes. sick. Yeah. yeah. Find out what... I don't want to say, it sounds horrible to say your target client, but really just... It is. It's not about the client, it's about you. Like, what do you need? Yes. Are you able right to support now? this person? Yeah. Are you yeah. able to in their person? In their choices. We all have that line. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, some of us have broader boundaries and some of us have smaller boundaries, and that's okay. I feel that the key is being open to and clear with clients right at the beginning yep. to say, this is who I am, this is how I work. And that's how you find that click and that connection. And if you don't find it, pass that person on to somebody yes. else who they can find that click with. Yeah. Because, just, because you're not just, doing that that client a service if you can't support them the way they need. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not just about, you know, getting that almighty dollar. It's about actually supporting that person the way they need to be supportive. And if you are going to be silently judging inside your head, mm-hmm. you can't hide that shit. As much as you think you can, you can't yeah. hide that shit. Should we wrap this up and start talking about birth stories now because we are at 38 minutes it's okay i we can because i can stop and then and splice it together i'm that good now that good now (laughs) ladies and gentlemen this has birthed (laughs) okay so cut this part out this little part that we just talked about oh no it's gonna it's gonna stay it's all gonna stay yes go i was gonna say that that doula on the message board who said this outrageous thing and then it led to a, a big open discussion that's great. It reminds me of, you know, Donald Trump's presidency. <laughs> <laughs> oh, damn, we're going there. 
Well, I mean, his presence in the White House, not besides causing all sorts of disruption and, and straight yeah. up harm to vulnerable populations, it has started a global conversation, yes, I believe, that's about true. all sorts of things. <clears throat> and that's a good thing. Yes. Yeah, um, true. Now we know where we stand. Like, I yeah. think we were all wearing rose-colored glasses before, you know, with the Obamas. It was just like, oh, my God, everybody sing Kumbaya. Kumbaya. Around the campfire. <laughs> and now we realize, oh. Oh. Shit. The neo-Nazis were just quietly underground. Yeah. Preparing. They didn't go away. They didn't go away. We didn't kill them with our love. They're still here. <laughs> and it started it started a conversation. It's opened everybody's eyes up. And so many more things have come to light that now we can face them. Because if things are hidden underground, how do you how do you face them? Yeah. So yeah, nobody wants him in the way. Well, I'm I'm sure some of you I'm want him in some, the way. Somebody does. But I don't. Um, but his presence there has opened up all kinds of conversations mm-hmm. and that's, it's true. That's one silver lining, I guess you can say. I think for me in, on these message boards and whatnot, I would like to see more doulas be better at projecting their message to, especially newer doulas. Yes. Like some of these newer doulas are getting slaughtered on these oh, message boards. That's a great word for it. Slaughtered. They yeah. are. When you see there's like 87 comments. You know that they are tearing this poor person to shreds yeah. because they might have said, like, there was this one situation where somebody asked, was it her sister or a client? I don't remember. Oh, it was her sister, I think. The one about the, she ended up having a big a cesarean yes, yeah, big birth baby. with a big baby. Yeah. And when the baby came out, she, the, the one thing she said is, oh, there was no way that she could have done this and everybody freaked out yeah don't say that she can't do it you can't and then they started giving statistics blah 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 and then way 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 down she goes well what i meant was emotionally she couldn't have done it oh where is the evidence for that yeah there is no evidence for that so it's not enough to give statistics oh well you know 80 percent of people with babies over this percentage of weight can give birth vaginally and blah 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 that's the evidence and we give that to people and think that that's all they need no it's not so did you look into this woman's face and ask her, yeah. how are you feeling about that? About possibly giving birth to a 10-pound baby? Yeah. And she might say, no way. I can't do it because blah, 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 blah. End of story. It doesn't even need to be because. If she says she doesn't want to do it, she doesn't need to give an explanation. That's true. That's her choice. Yeah. And nobody needs to be going, well, why? Yeah. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. No, so all the way down in the in the comments, yeah, like she finally said it wasn't comments about later. the physical, the possibility of her physically birthing this baby, because the evidence says that she probably could have been able to do it. She, I said she couldn't have done it because I know my sister or I know this person or the client or whoever it was yeah. that emotionally, there's a whole other thing there, and they can't do studies on that. No, you can't. So that's a part. That's my one little thing about evidence-based birth or or not evidence-based birth but just using evidence only you can't and you can't just throw numbers at people and say well you made a bad decision because the evidence says well i'm not willing to take that they say 80 let's say it's 80 percent of people can birth a baby over 10 pounds okay that's great but you know what i i 20 percent is too much 
for, for me, me to, to deal with that. Yeah, it that's needs right. to be 95% or more for me to be willing to take that risk. Exactly. So I, as a doula, might say, well, 80, 87%, that's like a really, you've got a really that's good chance huge. at this. Let's give that I a take that chance, but this woman, nope. no, no. I'm, not, I'm not willing to do that. And we have to respect that. Yes, we do. Right? Okay. We have to respect it and not just res like deeply respect it, support it. Support mm -hmm. it. Not yes. just say, oh, not just tolerate no. it, but we support, support it. it. And that's the, that's the thing. Like, I don't have, doulas need to let go of their personal attachment to the outcome of their client's Yes. Birth. I don't have a personal <laughs> attachment to, I care about my clients and I want them to have the best, most positive experience possible, but it is not my show. Yeah. It's not up to me to do that. It is... It is up to the fates. It is up to yeah. there's there's a whole universe of forces other than me. Yep, that is going to have an influence on this birth. That's true. All right, let's see other people they choose to invite into their birth as well. Yeah, yeah. Let's take a break there, because mm -hmm. um, actually that's a really good topic. We should mm -hmm. take care of that at another time. What topic? Uh, doula's not being oh personally personally attached. invested in the outcome. Yeah. As a grandmother, I can tell you that there's a big difference. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell. So you to Abby. Are we doing alphabetical order? Or I, age? Mine deals with epidurals and induction. Excellent. I thought it kind Let's of fit right in it. there. Yes. All right. All right. So we'll, we'll be back in a minute. Allie? All right. We're back. No. No, I'm going to talk about Will. Okay. So, okay, we're back. And... Uh, I'm going to tell my first birth story with my first son. And it was an induction and there was an epidural involved. When I, so when I got pregnant, um, I had, you did what you were, you did what everybody did. You know, you went and to your family doctor and you got referred to an obstetrician. And when I saw that obstetrician, I didn't, they were at a hospital I didn't want to give birth at. So they were at uh, Scarborough Gen, I think. Um, and this was before, this was 19 years ago. This was before they were all amalgamated. Mm -hmm. So I didn't want to give birth at Scarborough Gen. Um, not that there's anything wrong with Scarborough Gen. 19 years ago, there was a whole lot wrong with Scarborough Gen. <laughs> okay, um, 26 years ago, there was a whole lot wrong with Scarborough Gen. Um, so I... Uh, and I don't even remember the name of the doctor, quite frankly. But then I, so I had asked my doctor if I could get referred to someone at Scarborough Grace because at the time, Scarborough Grace had what they had referred to at that point as sort of a birthing center mm -hmm. um, as opposed to um, just labor and delivery. Mm -hmm. So my doctor found somebody and when I went to see him, um, and honestly, I can't really remember his name either but when I went to see him he was joking around with my husband at the time and you know making like really inappropriate jokes while I was there you know basically you know getting vaginal examined at like 12 weeks or it was ridiculous Good God. vaginal um, exam at 12 weeks it was yeah there was it was inappropriate and I was like yeah no this is not gonna work for me so I I sat there and I agonized forever about what to do. And at the at this time, my doc, my family doctor was doing shared care. So she was taking care of me up to like 18 weeks. So I still had time to think about it. And somebody in who I worked with who 
like I really respected as someone who was, you know, knowledgeable and, you know, not down to earth, but like scientific based, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking Mm -hmm. of things. Um, They had, their wife had had uh, midwives. So I was like, okay, all right, let's try midwives. Because of course, I tell my mother I'm going to have midwives and she's like, oh my God. She's got visions of me, you know, squatting in my backyard. Um, there's the field birth. Yeah, there's the field for. birth. Um, so I'm like, no, mom, it's going to be in a hospital. It's fine. So I went uh, to these midwives and my primary midwife was amazing. Loved her. Helped that she had an English accent. So I literally just wanted to Snuggle sit beside her. her for the entire rest of my pregnancy. Um but when it came time, so as I got towards the end of my pregnancy, um, and I was fucking huge, um, the I wasn't going into labor, so I had multiple stretch and sweeps. But just before my due date, I got transferred to sort of a new primary. And There's a lot of transferring of caregivers you went through. Yes, I did. And then most of it was my choice. <laughs> but this last transfer to the second mid, to this other midwife was not my choice. And I did not like this woman whatsoever. But I didn't think I had, at that point, even though I'd made all those choices and decisions, I didn't think I had a choice to, to say no. no. So... Um, had a bunch of stretch and sweeps to get labor going and it just wasn't working. He was quite comfortable where he was. He did not want to leave. Were you past due date? I was, at that point I was eight days past due. Mm. So on, on the eight day, on the eighth day, Mm -hmm. (laughs) um, it was decided that I would have an induction. Mm -hmm. So went in, got the gel, got the gel. And came home. You were to come home for six hours and then go back. And then nothing happened. And then, or maybe it was the seventh day at that point. It might have been a week because I did that for like almost, I did three doses, I think, of gel. Mm-hmm. And then finally in the evening, and I remember, do you guys remember that show Providence that had, um, she was a doctor and her dad was a veterinarian and Providence. with Melina Kanakaridis was in it anyways the christmas episode was on i remember sitting there in my bedroom watching that with uh with my husband rocking back and forth and the contractions actually started to become contractions and uh it was like 10 o'clock at night at this point and we had had mcdonald's for dinner and I got super nauseous, vomited in the sink. I don't know who the fuck cleaned that up for me. <laughs> I hope to God it wasn't poor Paul. But um, when... Really? Yeah. At that time. I hope yeah. to God it was. <laughs> <laughs> it was probably my mom. Anyways, um, so we get to the hospital. We've called the midwife and she shows up. And she... I wanted to... I wanted... At this point, I was determined that I was going to do this without an epidural. I was, I had a midwife. I knew I could do this. I was strong, blah, blah, blah. I was, yeah. Um, and then we tried everything, position changes and the tub. And I remember being in the tub and everything was sort of working. And then I sort of looked down and there was like bits of schmutz in the water. And I'm like, get me the fuck out of here right now. This minute. Hold on. 
this is why I say to people who go to St. Mike's and they want to use the jacuzzi tub, because that would gross the hell yeah. out of me too. I tell them, turn the jets on first. It's a little tip. Turn the jets on first. Then get in the tub. Because once the water's all moving, you can't see, you can't see all it. the schmutz. But if you go into, you sink yourself into still water. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. It was okay. gross. Yeah. So I get it. I get it. So, and they <laughs> could not get me out of there fast enough. Oh. And I'm like, and I was like, at that point I was like panicking. You've got to fucking get me out of here now. Like I cannot be here now anymore. I don't want to be wet anymore. Mm-hmm. And again, poor Polly's like, oh shit. Oh, it's like running around <laughs> with towels and stuff. And the midwife's like, ah. and she was awful. I did not like her at all. Anyways. Um, at, remember at one point we get into the bed and she's feeding me like pulsatilla tablets. I'm like, I don't even know what the fuck this is. Like, I don't... What the fuck is Home, happening here? Homeopathic shit. Yeah, homeopathic shit. Sorry, I'm like not... That's not... I told you, man. My doula card's <laughs> going to be revoked after this. Anyways, so she... Then she told me what they were supposed to do, and it worked for like a second. I swear to God, I went through like two of those fucking... I'm not really... Vials of Vials of pulsatilla. Anyways, um, and then it finally got... I wasn't dilating. Like I just, I got to, I think around five, six centimeters and I was not dilating. And I think Pitocin had been started at this point. Um, or no, no, no Pitocin at that point. So then I guess she called in the OB on call Mm -hmm. to come in, um, and consult. And (coughs) she texts me and yeah, I'm still like at six or something like that. And this lovely OB, she was so, Dr. Hugh, love Dr. Hugh. Anyways. Yeah, we'll only name the characters. Yeah, we'll only name the ones we like. The ones Um, we don't like, they will remain nameless. Yeah, so Dr. Hugh was beautiful, this Mm -hmm. lovely woman. And she comes in and she goes, you know, I think at this point that, you know, I think we need to consider a cesarean birth. Mm. Well, I burst into tears I'm talking ugly cry. And she's standing there. I felt so bad for her. She's standing there going, okay, um, let's get you an epidural (laughs) and see if that helps. So we get the epidural and I rest. And this was, I mean, this was 19 years ago. This certainly doesn't happen now. But the nurse that we had at that point she we get the epidural and I sleep and she stayed the entire time she didn't leave our side mm. she never left the room wow yeah she was again a beautiful human being I wish I could remember her name she Art was Grace? yeah she mm. was amazing an older lady mm-hmm. like just beautiful and so then I sleep and I sleep and I sleep and I think maybe six or seven hours later, it's determined that I have actually reached full dilation. I'm fully dilated. You did it. So the, and I'm pretty sure Pitocin had been started at that point before that as well. I had, I think, I think Paul counted and at any given, over the course of the entire labor, I think I had like 10 bags of fluid going at any given point in time. Like just water after fluid, after medication, even Benadryl, like, because the epidural made me itchy, um, like, super itchy. Yeah. 
Um, so before they, when they did the the prostaglandin gel, is that what they did yeah. originally? And you said you had three rounds of that? I had three rounds of that. So after that, they didn't give you a pit then? No, they broke my water when I got broke to... broke your water. Oh, no. No, contraction started. Okay, and so then you figured, okay, you're good. Pit yeah. The gel did it. And I'm pretty sure my waters broke at some point during that time. I just can't remember that part. Um, so they started the pit before or after your epidural? After the epidural, okay. I'm pretty sure. Because I was stuck. Like, I was yeah, yeah. completely mm-hmm. stuck. Mm-hmm. And I was contracting, but I just wasn't sure dilating. Wasn't, yeah. So, and I also had back labor. Nice. So I had I had the full the full gamut of bullshit. Yeah. Um. So then we start pushing, and we're pushing, and we're pushing, and we're pushing, and this poor boy is not coming. And I remember Paul sitting sort of right beside me, and you know, holding my hand and cheering me on. He wasn't standing; he was sitting. And we pushed and. I got to a point where I said, where's the midwife? Where's X, Y, Z, what her name was? And they said, well, she's resting. And I'm like, well, I'm not fucking pushing anymore until she's here. Now, granted, I didn't want her there, but I didn't want her fucking sleeping either. (laughs) Fuck you, bitch. Get in here and do your goddamn job. So they call her in and she's like standing on the other side of me. I didn't even look at her. I just kept looking straight ahead with Dr. Hugh. And they use the vacuum because he's there, but he's not coming. So they use the vacuum and he comes out with an APGAR of two. Like 10 is, you know, keystone. Nine is abnormal. Um, Two is not good. Two is awful. Two out of 10? That's a bad score. And they they had called a code pink before he came out. Oh, for him? Yeah. So they call a code pink, which is like basically code blue for babies. And he gets, he comes out and there, I remember the pediatrician and three nurses standing at the door. He comes out, he goes with them and they leave. Mm. And at this point, I'm pretty sure I'm in shock. I don't know really what's going on because I couldn't feel anything at mm-hmm. all. Couldn't feel the push, nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Um, every time. Every time. Um, so we, uh, it's probably my son's Christmas present. Um, <laughs> that didn't come on time. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so they come she comes back, I think maybe about half an hour to an hour later. Um, I'm still kind of out of it. Half an hour after you gave birth, after the I gave, came back? No, no. The, the stuff, the, the nurses came back oh, with nurses. my son. Yes. And he was, do you remember in like grade school and you played with plaster scene and it had <laughs> been, and it was that gray kind of gross color? Yes, I remember that. That was his color. That was the color of him. After half an hour? Yeah. So he comes and he's all wrapped up and all you can see is this gray face. Gray face. And I said, I looked at him and and the the midwife is like, let her hold him. Let her touch him. And I go, get that fucking thing away from me. What? Yeah. Get that fucking thing away from me. And I turn my head away. I know, right? I turn my head away and I look at my husband and he's like in shock too. So they go away. And at this point, the midwife's gone. Like I didn't want her anywhere near me anymore. Mm-hmm. That message was, that message was made that was clear. very clear. Yep. Um, and 
the, and I don't want to eat. I don't want to get clean. I don't want to do anything. I literally just wanted to lay in that bed and die. I didn't want to have everything that I had just gone through. What were you feeling physically? I, I don't even remember that part. I don't remember physically feeling anything. Mm-hmm. I just remember being numb, but like emotionally numb. Mm-hmm. And then, so I've obviously transfer of care has happened at this point and mm-hmm. I'm still with the, with the, with the doctor. And again, my, my beautiful nurse that sat with us the whole time, her shift had ended. So she had to leave. Um, and another nurse comes in who was again, amazing. And she said to me, she's like, she goes, well, we're going to, I go, I think I had said, I need to see him mm-hmm. because I think in my head, so sorry. Mm. Say it out loud. Say it out loud. All right. In my head, I thought he was going to die. Yeah. Yeah. And I needed to see him first before that happened because the shock had sort of worn off at that point. Mm -hmm. And she said, well, he's doing fine. Mm -hmm. I can't have you leave until you eat something. Mm -hmm. So I said... I'm like, fine, fucking just give me food. Just shove food in my mouth. I've got to go. So, thank you. Um, So she gets me toast, brown toast. I fucking hate brown bread. (laughs) She gets gets me brown toast with butter on it. Mm -hmm. And then she gets me into the wheelchair. She gets me dressed, gets me into the wheelchair, and we go down to the NICU. And he's there. He's not in an incubator. He was he was fine at that point. But yeah. this massive, almost ten pound baby yeah. is in like on you know the like the warmers that they have. Yes. Yeah. So he was on that basically by himself, uh-huh. laying there. And when I got up to him, he had this like big moon face because of course I had all that fluid, right? So he's like yeah. totally waterlogged. He probably only weighed seven pounds, but <laughs> two pounds of it I think was water. was water. Um, and I look at him, and I know how dumb this is gonna sound, but he looked like my grandmother. He looked mm. just like my grandmother. You, you know what? That is, I see so many little boys when they're born. They look like their grandmothers, their maternal yeah. grandmothers. Yes, that's my, not a, my not maternal a grandmother. Thing. And at that point, it was almost like that was my grandmother saying no. Oh, your grandmother. My grandmother. So his great grandmother. Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, he looked like my grandmother, and it was like my grandma saying, "No, he's yours. Mm-hmm. You have this. Is your this son? This is my face. What's your problem? You need to. You need to. <laughs> this is yours, and you need to take him. Yeah." And it was at that point that everything kind of settled. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, this is my son. Uh-huh. I don't know what happened before. I don't know what all that bullshit was before. Uh-huh. But I'll take this kid. I don't yeah. know what you brought me before, but I'm going to... This, this kid? I this pick one I'll this take. one. Yeah. I'll take this one. <laughs> and we were in the NICU for a week. He had shoulder dystocia because he, mm. he got stuck and with the vacuum. So he had shoulder dystocia. So his right arm was... Basically limp for months. Um, He was on IVs. He was being fed through a tube. I remember he has, it's funny, he has this spot on his skull, on on his forehead where hair doesn't grow. Mm -hmm. It's where his cowlick is. Mm -hmm. But they had shaved that to find a place to put an IV because he was so waterlogged. You couldn't find his veins. Mm -hmm. Oh, my goodness. So they were going to put it in his uh, head. Mm -hmm. Um, But then that, I 
think somebody had decided at that point to put it in his foot. So mm-hmm. they found they found it in his feet. And it was literally the most insane thing that I'd ever been through. Mm-hmm. And when it wasn't until maybe 10 years later. Mm-hmm. So we talk about sort of birth trauma and all of this stuff. And I'd had like three other kids in that period of time Mm -hmm. or two other kids in that period of time. But it was like at that point there was a disconnect between us Mm because it certainly didn't get the skin to skin 19 years ago. That wasn't necessarily even a thing. It wasn't invented yet. No, it hadn't been invented (laughs) yet. Um, And there was a disconnect between us and I loved him to no end. But I knew that when my other two children were born, that there was a disconnect. Mm Mm-hmm. So, going. You mean you knew that after when when you after had, I'd had my had other Thomas, two, knew I knew something, something was had, different. Something wrong had happened in that first yes. birth. Yeah, but I didn't know it until I'd had another birth, which was amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did was I had taken a course, <laughs> um, a training course in, uh, I guess, hypnobirthing. And they talked about trauma and all of this stuff. And so what I did was, is I, I, and he knew the story. Mm-hmm. He knew his birth story. Mm-hmm. I told him and I, and I told him all the horribleness of it. So I sat him down one night in his bedroom and I said, I'm going to tell you a story. Mm-hmm. And this is the story of your birth. Mm-hmm. He goes, I know that story. I know that story. I'm like, no, baby, I'm going to tell you it. I'm going to tell you a different story. Mm-hmm. And I basically told that story without the horribleness of it Mm -hmm. I talked about facts but I didn't I didn't give emotion to those facts Mm -hmm. what I gave emotion to was the positive side of things and in that in retelling my story from a different view I retold it in my head I I was reading somewhere I can't remember what I I can't remember if I was reading it in a book or whatever, but they talked about trauma, how trauma, the memories are there, but they're hidden and they're like pieces of broken glass and they don't fit together because if you put them all together, the trauma would happen again. So you, or you needed to refit those pieces back together Mm -hmm. into a way that you can handle. Mm -hmm. And that's how you get, that's what they were saying is, is how you get past that trauma is you find those pieces all again and you put them back together. And when you tell that story, it's now your story as opposed to all these little bits of brokenness in your head. Um, I'm not doing it justice what I actually read, but that's, that was sort of the gist of it. And not knowing that at the time, because I only read that like a month ago, I don't know. But mm-hmm. I realized now that when I had done that, is that's what I was doing. I was taking all those pieces of shit, all those pieces of trauma, and it was traumatic. Yeah. And I put them back together into my story, yeah. into my new story. And I didn't, I didn't whitewash really any of the story, mm-hmm. but I told it in a way that he understood in a way that my heart could understand Mm -hmm. and like without re-traumatizing yeah yeah or re-traumatizing him Mm because I'm pretty sure telling telling his birth story it was I mean what was I doing it to punish him for for that yeah so 
once I had done that, things were different. Things were better. But unfortunately, for 10 years, you know, things yes. were odd. Yeah. And, you know, he's not a very demonstrative, like, physically loving mm-hmm. um and I mean, you sit there and think, yeah, like, did I do that? Because yeah. I didn't have that skin to skin, because I didn't have that initial contact with him because yeah. Yeah. of all of this stuff. And I'm not, I'm certainly not going to beat myself up for, I can't go back and yeah, make no. things different. We could all yeah, do we, that, dissect our kids and figure out, did I do that? How did I fuck you up? I yeah, exactly. How did I screw you up? Um <laughs> I'm sure but, we have. Oh, I'm, I'm sure just we have. We don't, we don't need to. We, we don't, can't. We we don't need to, like, yeah, <laughs> sort it all out. Um, but, yeah, so that's, you know, I did not want to have an epidural. That was that was it. But when I got that epidural, oh, my God, life changed dramatically. And I am so thankful that I had that. Mm-hmm. And did not, did I want to be induced? No. Should I have been induced? He wasn't coming. He wasn't coming. And I can't imagine at this point leaving him in any longer than I did. Mm-hmm. He was damn near 10 pounds. All he's doing at that point really is getting packing fat. it on. <laughs> and then it may have actually been a C-section. Mm-hmm. Could potentially. Yes. Probably. I don't know. Um, don't send hate emails. You can have done it. No, 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 no. Fuck you. This is my story. And nobody can tell. Nobody, no, no. Nobody knows. We can't go back in nobody time. You cannot go back in time. But I think birth trauma is a thing. Um, It sure is. And I think I don't... One of my big issues is... So I didn't have a doula. It was just me and Paul. We didn't even have a second support person. Yeah. And I think... I say to people, you know, do I think having a doula would have changed things? I don't think it would have changed the outcome. But I do believe it would have changed how I felt about the birth. I do truly so, believe that if there had been somebody there really that was there just for me, God, so, so not my husband. Of, that's but, kind of the question I was going to ask you that you might have answered. What do you think, what element or aspect of your birth experience contributed to the long-lasting trauma? So you're, I hear you kind of saying it was lack of support. Yeah, I think part of it was lack of support. Mm-hmm. Um, or was the, it just the way things went? I, it could have been. The length of the whole situation or... The whole length of... I mean, the whole birth, I think, was 16 hours from the time of really good contractions. 16 hours. Um, but, I mean, I felt like a failure because I ended up getting an epidural. I, I don't remember really being supported after... Mm-hmm. Um, with somebody, you know, being there to say, you know what, I'm here for you, whatever you need. Let's get you this. Let's get you this. The nurses were doing their job, and I'm not, and I'm not knocking that whatsoever because mm-hmm. they were amazing. Yeah. But I realized in hindsight that that one nurse that stayed with us the entire time, she took on that doula role. Mm-hmm. That's what she did for us. Mm-hmm. And even though we were sleeping. I know she was there. Mm-hmm. She did not leave our side. Mm-hmm. She was that midwife that was sitting in the corner, mm-hmm. <laughs> knitting, mm-hmm. basically, and watching over us. Mm-hmm. So if she hadn't been there for that, I think things, I think my trauma probably would, would have been, been worse. worse. And would you say, I, I know that you had a hard postpartum um, recovery. Was it with Will? 
No, my postpartum depression actually came with Allie. Okay. Um, I didn't think I had time. I know this is going to sound stupid. I know this is not the way postpartum depression works, but I didn't have time to dwell on that. I had to, I had a son that needed to be fed. I was desperately trying to breastfeed. We were back and forth from the hospital because he was there for like at mm-hmm. least a week. Mm-hmm. Um, and then when we got home, we had all this other stuff. And by then I'd gotten my other midwife back um, because I think they knew if what's her name came, I wasn't going to let her into my house. <laughs> um, so Valerie showed up and was, you know, amazing and really supportive of us and things like that. Yeah. So I think. You have to, you have to be there for your clients and you have to, you know, not judge them and help them work through their stuff. Yep, yep. And if they get an epidural, it's not a big deal. (laughs) If they end up getting induced, you be there to support them. Yeah, because it's not giving up. It's just changing Changing course. course. Changing course. We're taking a detour this way and guess what? I'm coming with you. Yep. Yep. Yeah, exactly. So that's my birth story. Thank you. Um, thank you for sharing. Thank you for letting me cry. Poor <laughs> uh, you, I'll be honest. I'm not sure I've ever actually said that out loud. That was oh, the first really? time I'd ever said that out loud. It's the first time you'd spoken the birth story like out loud. Like no, that. that I thought he was going to die. Oh, oh, okay, yeah, that. Yeah. In my head, I always it real. felt it, mm-hmm. but I never actually said it out loud. We don't oh, allow ourselves those things. Those that, words. Yeah, I've had five babies and I ne- like I've never felt that, so I don't know. Yeah. What that could possibly feel like. It's scary. Yeah, I thought I thought when I went to go see him in the in the NICU that he wouldn't be alive. Mm-hmm. But yeah. then he was, and he looked all rosy, and he looked like my grandma, and it was all. Aw. Well, I was wrong. I'll take that kid. <laughs> I'll right take there. that kid right there. I don't know what the fuck you sent me before, but <laughs> I will take this one right here. Oh. So there you go. All right. Excellent. This Thank has been you. a long, long podcast. It really has. Thank you for sticking with us. Was. Yep. Um, but we're going to end now. So, so uh, yeah, rate, review, and subscribe. And subscribe. And, subscribe. and tell your friends. Yeah. Okay. Spread the news about this amazing spread, podcast. Spread the word. Yes. And uh, yeah. And again, our email address for any comments. Nice comments. Don't be a troll. Don't don't tell us bad things. I will cry. I will cry. I won't. I will hunt you down and find you. <laughs> I'm the crust so sensitive. What's the email address? Uh, the pragmatic doulas at gmail.com. Also, we might want to tell everybody you can follow us individually. You know, we oh, actually yeah. are real people on our own. Yeah. Um, no, I'm, we are. What? We, yeah, we are. By the way. Shit. <laughs> you can follow me on Instagram at doula sue. And no, sorry, 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 scrap that, scrap that. Scrap. You cut. can follow me Steven. on Facebook <laughs> at Doula Sue and on Instagram at Doula Suzanne. And what's what are your handles? I think mine is official underscore Doula Steph, pretty sure, on Instagram. And mine is Doula Kim, K I M. On Instagram. On By Instagram. the way, you guys are on uh, Facebook. The Toronto Doula Facebook. Group is on Facebook, but I'm not. Mm-hmm. I don't don't follow me on Facebook. Um, if you want to follow <laughs> us on Facebook, it's uh, Toronto Doula Group. Um, yeah. But maybe at some point we'll have a Pragmatic Doula Facebook or pra- and a Pragmatic Doula <clears throat> Instagram. We do have a Pragmatic Doula. Do we? we do. Did I not tell you that? There's another surprise. Yeah, we do. Uh, the Pragmatic Doulas. We're gonna start. 
posted shit on there then. Yeah, there's one picture on there from before, but we have no followers Perfect. and we're not following anybody. We should take a picture every episode. We will. We, we're gonna. I look like crap today, but that's okay. Me too. I, uh, we're, we're Christmas hungover. Okay. I'm so Christmas hungover. I drank a bottle of wine. Thank you very much. <laughs> I didn't. I don't know what my excuse is, but <laughs> I've got the carbohydrate swell. Yeah. Because <laughs> she's keto, and her body went, "What the fuck, <laughs> sugar man?" <laughs> All right. All right. Thank you. And Take uh, care, and yeah, this is gonna be posted probably in a couple weeks. Um, well. Unless you want this be to be the first one. Probably January 21st, right? Because yeah, because the first one's the 7th. Yeah. And yeah. Then, so this should yeah. be January 21st. Yeah. So we're always going to be about two weeks behind, three weeks behind. The date. Yeah. But January 21st, 2019. I hate when podcasts say the month. Yeah. But it was like three years ago. Yeah. But they never say the year. So January 2019. There you go. All right. Yeah. Thank you for listening. And right. uh, we look forward to hearing from you. Bye. All right. Bye. Bye.